was the commemoration of the Epiphany today in the Orthodox Church. Now, uh, we all have epiphanies of all sorts, but this epiphany is to do with uh, when humanity twigged that Jesus is God. Okay, so I think we lock that in, that the epiphany is all about uh, an important moment for Christians in which humanity twigs that Jesus is God. Okay, and after we have locked that in, we, uh, we have to decide how they twigged to this information, for example, or when, you know, and all that sort of thing. Okay, now, before we even talk about this whole thing, uh, you know, there is the question about whether Jesus existed or not. Um, as, and whether he existed in anything like the way that he is said to have existed. Uh, and to a certain extent, well, to a uh, that it, it doesn't matter whether he existed or not on one level, you know, because, uh, for example, you know, I like the Shakespeare play King Lear and I can enter into um, King Lear's story without actually thinking, needing to have him have been real. So even if I was certain, which I'm not, that Jesus didn't exist. Uh, and even if I was pretty sure, as I am, that he didn't exist as a single you know, person that was uh, m anything much like the one that, that um, you know, comes out of the storybook, the Bible... Um, yeah, you know, look. Even if he, if I thought he was a fiction, um, I, I can still get right into uh, details of his story. Uh, that doesn't bother me. You know, in the same way that I can get into the story of King, the character of King Lear. You know, I can get into the character of Jesus, no problem, and get a lot out of it too, you know. There are some people who say, I'm not even going to discuss things like Christmas and the Epiphany and Easter because Jesus is not real. And I sort of wonder, well, is it possible to get you interested in, you know, King Lear or any other fictional character? Is it possible to get you to have a discussion with you about the character of Sherlock Holmes? For example, even though Sherlock Holmes is a figment of someone's imagination, you know, and they say, "Oh yeah, I can discuss Sherlock Holmes," and I say, "Would you agree that Sherlock Holmes is probably the most famous detective on the planet?" Uh, they'd probably say, oh, "I'll say some. Tell me a a detective that is more famous, you know, than Sherlock Holmes. They'd probably say, they'd have to say, well, no, I don't know any detective on the planet that's more famous than Sherlock Holmes. Um, 
even given that it's a fictional detective, he's still a famous detective, you know. So even if Jesus is fictional, and I don't think he's entirely fictional, I'm pretty certain that there's a lot of detail around the Jesus story that's fictional. Um, But um, even if, you know, the historiographic Jesus... The historical Jesus, even, um, is nothing like the the Jesus that appears in the Jesus story. Uh, the Jesus story itself is real, either way. You know, just like uh, the King Lear story is real, and you know, all the Sherlock Holmes stories are real as stories. Okay, so. It's not hard to get into the to you know get into the Jesus story and get something out of it as well, even if you think it's just a story. All right, so I think I can get past that hurdle. Okay, so now I can now that I'm I I can engage with you know Jesus, the man, the myth, the legend, you know whatever he might be. Um, I can actually you know sort of say you know look. Even if he's a fictional Jesus, I can say, well, the fictional Jesus is said to have been born, you know, at a certain moment in time in the Roman Empire. Um, And within the story, that period of time, that point in time was, you know, when there was a particularly bright star, for example, and there was... Near a census that Rome was holding at the time, um, and you know you can start putting all the evidence together that is presented in the story of Jesus, and it doesn't matter if it's if the story itself is true, but you can say, listen, I'm gonna I'm going to enter into the story, um, and say that. Um, if, you know, I have fun and let the story and enter into the story, um, then he would have been born, all right. So there was a census in Rome. All right, let's check the historical records about when, um, you know, Augustus Caesar, for example, or local um, rulers, I think it was King Herod or whoever, when whoever was, uh, whoever called for a census, um, when did they call for a census? And then we go back to real Roman records and check that, you know. And I think people have put all the evidence together and said, listen, if you want to enter into uh, the story of Jesus, then you, if, you know, it's, it's if, you know, does it have to be real? You know, you're sort of saying if, you know, you um, if you want to enter into the story of Jesus, either um, for uh, fun or for what you can get out of it, you know, even if you do think he's a fiction, or if you actually think he's real, literally, um, then either way, whether you think he's a fiction or not, you would want to place him in about 4 BC, you know, four years before... Uh, that date that the Romans originally thought he might have been born, you know, um, right, 4 BC. Yeah, most people 
most people um, who are good at history have have worked out that the only time he really could have been born was about 4 BC, you know, which means he died around 29 AD. Okay, so we can place a fictional character, a potentially fictional character, in real history, you know, using the evidence of the story of Jesus. And don't worry if he was real or not, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. Now, once we've locked all that in, um, we can start um, investigating the story of Jesus uh, for more and more detail, you know. We, you know, the first, the first bit was, you know, when he, where was he born, you know. Um, uh, and, um, and that was winter, you know, uh, using the evidence of the Bible. Um, so, you know, they ended up saying sort of, we think the 25th of December. Okay, then. Now... Now, um, Christians who enter into the story of Jesus and even non-Christians who, for, um, for what they can get out of it, also enter into the story of Jesus, you know, because they enjoy it, much like Shakespearean Shakespeare fans get into, um, uh, you know, um, Romeo and Juliet, for example, which is set in a real history, historical period of time, you know, um, and, you know, the Montagues and the Capulets start to, you know, you can, you, you can engage with Romeo and Juliet as if they are real characters because, you know, they, they represent the sorts of stories that, you know, many lovers have gone through, you know, two, two households at war with each other and, you know, the boy in, a boy in one falls in love with a girl in the other and it ends badly. So you can, you can enter into that. It doesn't have to be real. Right. So, um, so I think people, you know, Christians or non-Christians, um, who are now entering into the story of Jesus, you know, they um, start to think, all right, now what are the important dates in the story of Jesus? And, you know, I would like to commemorate those, even if I don't think he's real. I still want to commemorate those because I get something out of that, you know, uh, out of the story of Jesus. It's got messages for me, you know, and I find it very satisfying to enter into the story of Jesus in a very strong way, and even go to church and, you know, um, observe uh, feast days, for example, you know, like Christmas, or the birth of Jesus, sorry, um, or the date of the death, the death of Jesus, you know. So I, I sort of start to say, all right, um, well, I want to know when Jesus, you know, whether he was real or not, you know, within the story, died and connect that to a real-world date so that I can commemorate the death of Jesus, even if he's a fictional character, in a very real way in the real world. I would like to do that. Uh, I had to pause there briefly because uh, I was about to be interrupted. Right, I'm back. Okay, um, so yes, uh, I 
believe that Jesus, as he's portrayed in the Bible, did, didn't exist. Um, you know, no Jesus that. Um, I don't think any Jesus managed to get a per- personal audience with Herod the Great, for example, you know. I don't think any um, low-status uh, street preacher got bumped up to Herod to get his case uh, heard literally you know, by Herod the Great. I don't think any Roman magistrate, you know, like like a Pontius Pilate or anything, uh, would have made such a career-limiting move um, to say, I can't handle this case. I'm going to actually ask Herod the Great. Now, Google Herod the Great, you know, um, to see whether you would have asked Herod the Great to hear a case that you couldn't handle. It's rather like a, a judge in the United States of America admitting he can't handle uh, a case uh, and writing a letter to Donald Trump and, say, Trump and saying, can you please, um, I've got this um, street preacher and he's doing my head in. I can't handle it. Could you personally hear the case and make a ruling, you know? I don't think that happened. Uh, But that doesn't matter. Um, You know, uh, I'm entering into the story, you know? And in my mind, I'm bigging Jesus up to make him bigger than he was. In my mind, entering into the story of the Bible. Okay, now, so... Okay, then I am able to investigate the Bible and try and match it up uh, with real history and try and figure out, for example, when Jesus died, you know, and uh, Christians have done that. And they've come up with, you know, um, we think, you know, uh, by carefully analysing the Bible that it was, you know, when the moon rose on such, such a day, you know what I mean? Somewhere around April, whatever, you know? All right, now, but let's move on to another day that people who like to enter into the story of Jesus uh, think is important, and that is the moment in time when humans first twigged that Jesus was God, you know, uh, people who enter into the story of Jesus reckon that that's an important moment uh, to commemorate, you know. And me, as a, a, you know, basically a non-believer, you know, I still have fun. I enjoy um, commemorating such things. Well, look, for the epiphany, you know, which is that moment uh, in the story of Jesus, when humanity tweaked that Jesus was God, yeah, I wouldn't go to church for that one. Um, I go to church for some things, but that one's not big enough for me. But that doesn't mean that it isn't big for other people, and it is big for other people, right? Now, um, 
for one reason or another, and I won't do the analysis, or I won't even read up on the analysis, uh, Christians uh, early on uh, fixed on a certain date in the year as being the date when humans first twigged that Jesus was God. Now, I don't know why, but they chose January the 6th. You'd have to study theology to work out why they chose January the 6th. So January 6th was the date. And when they fixed upon that date, the calendar that everyone was uh, following was the Julian calendar and that will do for tonight i'll come back to this episode later uh, another day uh, and finish it off but what have we got the epiphany uh, is defined as the date when people suddenly realize that jesus was god and the date that people have decided that that did occur was January the 6th. That's all we know so far. I will add to this analysis another day. Another day is here. Okay, so um, I claimed, or as far as I know, um, people fixed upon January 6th as the day that the epiphany happened. That's January 6th in the Julian calendar, as I understand it. Um, now, I th- uh, my goddaughter has suggested that the Ethiopians later on tweaked that and decided on January the 7th in the Julian calendar, which might be a completely different date in their calendar, but, you know, January the 7th in the Julian calendar, you know, which corresponded to some other date in their calendar, maybe, you know, because the Ethiopians, just like everybody else, uh, put a lot of work into developing a calendar, you know. So the Ethiopians are no different to anyone else in that sense. Uh, and, you know, they, they developed a calendar and all that sort of thing. And, you know, just like the Romans developed a calendar. Um, the Julian calendar, you know. Um, okay. So, you know. All right. Um, so, look, everybody does their own thing, you know. The Romans do their own thing. The Ethiopians do their own thing, you know. And later, when Rome split into two Romes, East and West, the Eastern Roman... Uh, Empire did its own thing, and the Western Roman Empire did its own thing, you know, and so on, with respect to calendar development. Uh, all, calendar, all calendars are artificial. Um, and, right, now, um, yeah, uh, artificial, you know, um, approximations of what, pe- what people are, you know, detecting in terms of when the earth goes around the sun, all that sort of stuff. Right, now, or when the first sparrow comes in spring, you know, however they want to do it. All right, now, um, so, look, everyone, everyone was sitting on January the 6th, as far as I know, um, 
Now, later on, as far as I understand it, um, the Ethiopians switched to January the 7th. For some reason, I don't know, and I won't get into it. That's nothing unusual, you know. Because the, um, like, much, 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 much later, the Catholics did something similar, you know. Um, and they went for the first Sunday after January 1. Something like that. Okay. So everyone, you know, everyone could tweak. Right. Now... So, but let's let's just take ourselves back to before the Ethiopians did that, and to before the Catholics, you know, made a tweak to their epith- epiphany date as well. And we're back at you know the Roman Empire, um, and the date of the epiphany is January the sixth. And there's no real, yeah, there's no real, there's no such thing as Catholic and Orthodox back when I'm talking here. Yeah, this is back when um, all. You know, before the big split, you know. All right. The schism. Okay. So everyone's using the Julian calendar. Um, and January 6th is a date. Okay. Now. You know, right back. Okay. Um, now, what happened then? We have to look at calendars. Uh, at some point in time... Um, uh, the Western Roman Empire. Oh, too hard right now. I'll get back to that later. I was about to get into the Gregorian calendar and everything, but I can't be bothered. Oh, maybe I'll be in the mood later. Right, I'm back. Now, the bottom line is um, everybody from the start decided upon January the 6th, no matter what tweaks they made to their calendars. Yeah. So, um, now, even from the very start, the Romans used to just tack on extra weeks. You know, they'd tack on a week every few what, every five years or something they tack on a week uh, because they noticed um, that their calendar, the Julian calendar, um, you know, the sparrow would be coming slightly, uh, what is it, slightly uh, late every year um, in springtime and, you know, they'd let a few years go and they'd tack on an extra week, you know. And the Ethiopians had a pretty good plan. You know, they would tack on, you know, I've, I've, I've checked this out. Um, they decided to make uh, 12 months of approximately, the, or, you know, I think they're 30 days each or something like that. But then they'll just tack on five days at the end of every year. And in the same way as the Romans used to tack on a week here and there, you know, basically it's arbitrary. But the point is... Nobody was moving from January 6th being the date of the Epiphany. Now, there is no basis for accuracy in terms of real years going on there. You know, the way a real year very much is when the sun makes a full revolution of... uh, when the earth makes a full revolution of the sun. Nobody is pretending that January the 6th uh, commemorates 
um, the same moment in time each solar year that yeah, the epiphany happened. Nobody is saying that. Everybody, even back in the ancient times, was quite aware that they were tacking on days and polluting reality. They all knew that and they were quite happy with it. They tacked on days, you know. Um, you know, whether that's the Romans, the Ethiopians or anyone else. I concentrate on the Ethiopians because my goddaughter um, concentrates on those guys. Right. Now, and, and, and later on, when the Western Roman Emperor, Empire um, just had had enough of this Julian calendar and its silly tack-on-day system, yeah, and the Western Roman Emperor, Empire, by extension, you know, would have thought that the um, Ethiopian system of just tacking five days on, you know, having 12 long months, 12 fairly full months, and then just tacking a, a random little five-day five month on at the end was pretty, you know, that wouldn't have been very satisfying for them either. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they went with this new calendar a long time into the future. When was it? The 1200 or something. And um, the Gregorian calendar, yeah, in which they could have you know, 12 reasonably same length months per year and the system they came up with the calendar they came up with was scientifically pretty well matched to what the solar calendar is you know that what the sun was actually doing you know um so but you know everything's an approximation and even in that new system they had to chuck in leap years look everything is artificial you know all systems but what everybody did um, was, um, say, the January the 6th, you know, or thereabouts, is going to be the epiphany, okay? But I think the Ethiopians went to January the 7th, you know? But then they had they changed the date of the new year, so that ended up in, what is it, October or something? doesn't matter. It, um, whatever date the Ethiopians called it, they were still falling into line with January the 6th or January the 7th in the Julian calendar as being the date of the Epiphany, you know. Whatever date they called it, they were still matching up, you know, with the Roman Empire. Um, okay, so that's that, and that was the date of the Epiphany. Now, what happened, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in, when, you know, the, what happened when it comes to the uh, Gregorian calendar. Now, um... The Western Roman Empire, let's call it the Catholics by then, um, said, listen, the Julian calendar, even with these extra days we tack on and all that sort of stuff, is getting wildly out of whack. Wildly out of whack with you know, when the sparrows first appear in spring. It's getting out of sync with the solar, you know, with what the Earth is doing as it orbits the sun, you know, because science had come along then and they were, started, they were getting better at measuring that, you know. Um, now, the Eastern Roman Empire stuck tr to tradition and um, they decided to keep going with the Julian calendar and said, um, regardless of what the Earth is actually doing, and yes, we agree, we... We've noticed that, that um, the sparrow is coming up a little early than it should. You know, the summer is starting when it shouldn't, and all that sort of stuff. But we are going to we we are going to say um, that the um, observed solar 
system has got it wrong and tradition has got it right. So, you know, tradition, for example, you know, what they're basically saying is tradition says um, that we will see the first sparrow on such and such a date. And if the first sparrow doesn't sort of come up, you know, doesn't appear and cheap, cheap, cheap on the right day, we'll say that the sparrow's got it wrong, you know. Look, basically what they were saying is, listen, we're going to say the earth and the sun have got themselves out of whack against tradition. The earth and the sun are making the mistake, but the tradition, tradition has got it right, you know. So, um, and we do that a lot, humans, you know. Humans would say um, that um, the sun is not supposed to be exactly where it is today. It's supposed to be back a little bit. Um, and, you know, and the Eastern Roman Empire said, rather than say we've got it wrong, we're going to say the sun up there has got it wrong, you know. Whereas the Western Roman Empire, was, which was getting a lot more into, I think, being pedantic with their science and all that sort of stuff, no, they said, no, we'll say we, tradition, got it wrong. And we'll tr- we'll tweak our calendar and go with the Gregorian calendar, you know. So, but at the same time, the Easterns were tweaking um, their calendar each year anyway. Um, look, it's even the, but no matter what anyone did with all their tweakings of their calendars, they all stuck to their guns on January. The, you know, the January the sixth. You know, even though it's arbitrary when January 6th is actually falling each year in whatever calendar, you know, with respect to where the, the Earth is falling in its orbit around the sun, you know, the Earth places itself in a certain spot each year with respect to the sun, you know, in its orbit, you know. Um, but irrespective of that, every single um, sort of different culture was saying... Even if um, we haven't pinpointed it right, we're going to say the epiphany happened on happened on January the sixth, you know, right? And we might even tweak that, you know, and say it's January the seventh or the first Sunday after January the first or whatever, but very close to January the sixth yeah, in the current calendar, you know, which was either the Julian or the Gregorian, um, and even the Ethiopians, I think, have stuck to. January the 6th or January the 7th in the Julian calendar and just called it a different date you know right that's that okay so you know that's the artificial the artificial nature of all commemorations each year um and that's the way it goes you know that's the way it goes all right now um that's the end of that now once they had fixed upon January the 6th or January the 7th or the first day you know the first Sunday after January the 1st once they had fixed on this date very close to January the 6th, um, then they had each different tradition, you know, or Christian greenhouse, if you like, or set of theologians or whatever, had to decide then after, you know, the date's been locked in already. You know, the same way we lock in the Queen's birthday on a certain date, regardless of when the Queen's birthday is. We don't really care when the Queen's birthday is. In Australia, for example, you know, we set down that the Queen's birthday is in, I can't remember what, June the 6th or something, you know. And it, and if she happens to be born on the, you know, April the 4th, we just say, no, we're just going to say it's June the 6th, you know. So everyone's doing that with the Epiphany too. Right. Um, now, 
then everyone had to sort of think, well, what was the trigger for the epiphany? We have decided that the epiphany was when humanity realised that Jesus was God. You know, you know either, and it doesn't matter whether that's, uh, you know, humanity um, uh, twigged to something that was a fib. <laughs> It's still twigged to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even if it's just a story made up, humanity in its own mind um, believed it was real at some point in time, or a lot of humanity did. And so they did, In humanity did, you know, retrospectively, have this um, aha moment. Because epiphanies are all about aha, I've got it, you know. Okay, so humanity had an aha moment and said to itself, my goodness, Jesus is God, you know. Now, it might have been a fake, a false, a wrong aha, but it's still an aha, regardless, all right. Now, uh, and on top of that, humanity probably didn't even have that aha moment, you know, way back. Um, it's just written into all the stories that um, they had, that humanity had that aha, you know, so later people probably said, oh, humanity said aha, and then um, a long time ago, even if it didn't, you know what I mean? And once, you, once enough people think that it happened, then for all intents and purposes it did happen in the minds of people. It doesn't matter whether it actually, whether it actually, geez, my, whether it actually happened. And sorry for my squeaky wipers. Yeah, it's been bucketing down. Right. <sighs> but what was the aha moment? Noting that it's locked in stone, that the epiphany was on January the 6th, January the 7th. Well, um, Catholics, Catholics, you know, I'm a Catholic. That's you know, so what my son says. I say, I say Alex, you know, what religion are you, son? And he says, I'm a Catholic. <laughs> I love the way he says it. <laughs> he gets his big grin on his face, you know. I'm a Catholic. Yeah. He loves it, you know. Oh. Right, um, now... Um, what was the trigger? Oh, how, um, there's a car crash on the other side of the road. Yeah, how predictable. Yeah, rainstorm car crash. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay. Um, so, oh, yeah, and the Catholic said, Well, I reckon it's when the yeah, the three wise men uh, tweaked that baby Jesus, you know, they were led by a star or a bottle. And, um, yeah, that, uh, the three wise men, when they brought the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh and all that and said, we adore you, Jesus, um, Jesus uh, they, they, that was humanity realising that Jesus was God. Yeah. Now it doesn't matter if they actually, if the three wise men even existed, but in the story of that is the Bible, when the three wise men and I, I have to say that's pretty logical to me. Yeah, I, I don't think you can say that um, in the story of Jesus that the three wise men were not aware that Jesus was God when they came to the manger. They came to the manger for a reason. What was that reason? Well, because they knew Jesus was God. Didn't they? 
Yeah, I reckon that's a pretty good reading of the Bible. Um, again, I think the Catholics go with that one. So um, they put two and two together and they say, well, we've already locked in the date of the Epiphany before we've even worked out what triggered the Epiphany. And January the 6th, yeah, that's not bad. And we've already decided Christmas, you know, December the 25th, uh, around about two weeks before, uh, was um, the date of the birth of Jesus. So that all fits in, you know. All right, Jesus was about 14 days old, 25 plus 7. and Yeah, about 14 days old, about two weeks old. And then the three wise men showed up. And, um, aha, you know, there's your aha moment. Jesus is God. That's when the world discovered that Jesus was God. That's when it was confirmed, you know. That's when the twig happened. Right. Now, um, and then the Catholics said, and there were some follow-up moments as well, you know, which further confirmed Jesus was God. Um, And another one of those was, for example, when John the Baptist came up and said, this guy's God. You know, and baptized Jesus, um, dunked him under the water. G- you know, John the Baptist, you know, pushes he- Jesus' head under the water, and then everyone around them is saying, aha, you know, and there's the epiphany. That's an epiphany, too. And I think the Catholics uh, reckon that that's on the same date. Because, look, it has to be, because January the 6th is already locked in. No matter when the epiphany is, it has to be January the 6th. We're working backwards here. That's the way religion works. You know, science works with evidence. You start with evidence and then you move forward to find out the proof, you know. But we're starting at the end that we already know the date, but now we need to know what the event was. You know, the science would say, would observe the event and then check out what the date is. We're, we've already decided on the date and we'll go backwards and then we'll, we'll make the event fit into that day, you know. Now, um, the Eastern Roman Empire... Uh, you know, which we ended up call, calling Byzantium, you know, which which included all the uh, churches of the Eastern Roman Empire, which at the time included the Ethiopians, uh, you know, who I always mention. Um, they said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to say that the three wise men, the three kings, we're not going to say that was an epiphany. We're just going to say that was a little bit of a, you know, a smoke, you know, a smoke signal saying, yeah, we think there's something special about this kid. We're not going to lock it down yet. And we're going to say, um, and I think it's the baptism they go for, you know, as the big one, whereas the Catholics go for the three wise men as the big one and the baptism as a small epiphany, you know, a follow-up epiphany. Whereas, um, you know, the um, Eastern Roman Empire, the Orthodox Church, as we call it now, um, the correct church, you know, orthodox means correct, Um, Catholic means universal, but never forget, I suppose, you know, that both the Catholic church and the orthodox... Interrupted by an incoming phone call, Uh, yeah, both, uh, don't forget, let's not forget, if we wish, um, that the, both the orthodox and the Catholic church each consider itself as being both orthodox and Catholic. So the orthodox church as we understand it these days, uh, they also consider themselves universal, as well as orthodox, you know, um, Catholic as well as orthodox. And the Catholic Church, you know, I'm a member of the Catholic Church, we consider ourselves correct, you know, orthodox, you know, correct Greek, uh, Greek for correct is orthodox. Um, We consider ourselves Orthodox, and we consider ourselves Catholic at the same time, you know. Um, but be that as may, as it may, um, 
whatever I was talking about is whatever I was talking about. I forget. Okay. Uh, have I got any other thoughts about all that? Epiphany, epiphany. We kind of know what the epiphany is now. It's a, yeah, it's a rough guide. Um, uh, this working backwards thing. I had another thought about that, but I forget what it was. Uh, you know how the the way you know in in when you, in the world of theology and all that sort of stuff, um, and you know, the way humans like to work is start with the answer and then work their way back. You know what I mean? Oh yes, we do that with public holidays, for example. You know, so um, yeah, we have a Christmas Day, for example, in Australia, and sometimes you get Christians saying, uh, you know, um, people who aren't Christians shouldn't celebrate. You shouldn't have a holiday. <laughs> For Christmas, you know, if they don't want to believe in Jesus, why are they having why are they having a day off for Christmas? But this is another example of you know where we work backwards. The holiday is locked in, legislated, nothing to do with religion. People are getting that holiday no matter what, you know. And then afterwards, we decide um, what will we what will we celebrate on that day, you know? And uh, you know, and we set aside, yeah, because we've got a bit of a Judeo Christian background. We say, well, we'll. One of the, you know, the 13 or 12, uh, sorry, uh, how many holidays do we, have we got a year? I actually forget. Uh, yeah, I think it's 12. Or th- um, all right, we're, we'll let, we're going to give everyone 12 holidays no matter what, you know. And nothing to do with religion. You know, there, are, there will be 12 holidays. Um, what will we, we'll, we'll say one is Easter, one is Christmas, you know, one is Grand Final Day and all that sort of stuff, you know. But just because you don't follow the Grand Final... Just because you don't like Australian rules football doesn't mean you can't have a holiday on Grand Final Day. Because the Grand Final, sorry, the holidays are legislated, nothing to do with the Grand Final. And if, if it wasn't about Grand Final, it would be about something else, you know. So, you know, Christmas Day is one of the uh, public holidays in our calendar in Australia. Um, uh, but, you know, if everyone voted um, that we shouldn't celebrate Christmas anymore... We wouldn't lose the holiday. We would just, you know, turn it into, what, Muhammad's Day or something, you know? So we work backwards. A lot of the time we work backwards. So when people say, oh, you know, Muslims shouldn't be allowed to have Christmas Day off. They should work. They're missing the point. You know, it's nothing... The actual taking off of the holiday is nothing to do with Jesus or Christmas. Even, you know, we're going to have that holiday no matter what. And that's that. All right, I'll leave it at that.